Welcome to the Digging Deeper podcast hosted by 4constructionpros.com, the podcast that covers various aspects of the construction industry, including the equipment, people, companies, and associations making it all happen. This is technology writer Gigi Wood, and in this episode, I'll be talking with Carolyn Cromings, an attorney specializing in the construction industry, who's also owner and managing partner of the Cromings Law Firm, and author of Quit Getting Screwed, Understanding and Negotiating the Subcontract. We'll be talking about construction subcontracts and liens. Hi, Carolyn. Welcome. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Great to have you here today. Um, Let's get started. Um, Why don't you start by telling us about your work and how you got involved with subcontracts and liens? That's pretty specific. Yeah, um, I've always had a soft spot, I guess, for subcontractors because it's kind of where I grew up. It's kind of where I came from. Um, You know, people at my grandfather owned an excavation company. My uncle owns an irrigation company. My brother owns an irrigation company. So I really... And I guess not growing up in all this unknowingly just became attached to, it's a different way of growing up. You know, you're out there building things, doing things. It's not everybody's cup of tea or everybody's life, but it was mine. And so the more I got into, and actually I went to law school, I didn't plan on being a construction lawyer when I went to law school, but in my last year of law school, my husband started, my husband and I started a material supply company and it really made it a necessity for us to collect our money, to learn liens and construction law in the state of Texas. And so it came out of necessity and, and I started my own firm doing it. And I was really, he was my only client when I started. And then it broadened, like his contractors would need help. And so I learned a lot about subcontracts and subcontractors. And even though I lived in it and grew up in it, I didn't realize um, the ins and outs of subcontracts, collections, and how, how much when you work on credit, when you extend credit by like working and then waiting to get paid and the documents that all have to be signed, how much the legal industry is needed in the construction industry to preserve rights and to make sure everybody, it, everybody understands what's going on. So we don't get in fights. And I think there's a huge disconnect right now in the way contracts are written and the way lien rights and everything are ex- explained that I'm trying to bridge that gap. So it's in a, in a way that it's understandable in plain English, so we don't have disputes. Yeah, that's great. That's really needed. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about some of those misconceptions you see with sub- subcontracts? What are the problems out there? I think I think the main thing, the first off, is that a lot of people think that there's some sort of rules or some sort of form contract that just protects subcontractors. And, and actually, the exact opposite is true. Uh, I can remember reading my first subcontract, having come out of law school and, you know, having read like business contracts and leases and have been like, are they serious? They're really going to, somebody, people sign this. I mean, like a regular business transaction lawyer, if you gave them a subcontract, there's no way they would tell you to sign it. They'd tear it up and and start over because they're so one-sided and you just don't think that you just don't think it would be that way. And here's, and, and you get this, you know, 50 page subcontract in your inbox you try to read it, but it's not re- worded in a, in a way any, nobody, anybody but a lawyer can understand. And even then, I have to read it like four times to understand what they're saying. And it doesn't have to be that way. It could be written in plain English so everybody understands what we're, what we're talking about, what we're, we're supposed to do. But, but there are some real dangers in there if you just sign it the way it is. Yeah. 
Sounds like it. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Well, tell us about more about that and how these contracts and, and liens, especially how much of a problem they are for subcontractors. Okay. So co- the contracts are a huge problem. And, and I say that they're not a problem until something goes wrong, right? They're not a problem until they're used against you because like people sign contracts all the time and there's not, a, not an issue, but the problem arises is when an issue does arise and you've signed something that basically waves all of your rights and you have no, you have no rights. Like the, like one of the things that is, is standard in a subcontract is that not only are you agreeing to the terms of that contract, but you're agreeing to the terms of a prime contract, which is the contract between the owner and the general. And you've never even seen that contract. And sometimes they won't even let you ask for a copy of it before you agree to be held by the terms of that contract. I mean, I just can't even imagine in what world you're going to blindfold me and say, oh, now you're responsible for these terms too. And I have no idea what they are. And so, you know, and, and another big one that gets some contractors in trouble is the pay when paid clause, which basically says, hey, subcontractor, I general contract, don't have to pay you until I'm paid by the owner. Well, if something goes wrong between the general contractor and the owner, then the sub just doesn't get paid, whether they did a good job or not. So it basically makes the subcontractor's work and getting paid for that work condition on something they can't control. And so that's where if we talk about liens, where liens come in, I think liens are big problems for owners because they don't want liens on their project. But the lien process can be a great way for contractors and subcontractors to collect their money because Without a lien, you have a cause of action or a way to recover your money against the person that hired you. So like in a subcontractor situation, you can sue the general contractor or whoever hired you on on a contract action saying, hey, I did the work, you didn't pay me. But as I just said, in that contract, if it has a pay when pay clause and they haven't been paid, they haven't breached the contract. But you can secure your right to be paid with a lien. And so what I like to compare it to is there's two different types of debt in, in the credit industry. And you got to understand when you're a subcontractor working, supplying labor material, you're extending credit. It's not cash, but it is credit and you're waiting to get paid. So it's just like any other kind of debt. So there's two debts, unsecured and secured. Unsecured is like when you have a credit card and you charge it, if you don't pay it, they got to sue you. And then they got to find assets to collect. A secured debt is like a mortgage. When you go to get your house, you can't afford to pay cash. You take out a mortgage on your house. And so they give you a deed and they give, they take a lien back. And it basically says, if you don't pay me the mortgage company, they'll foreclose and sell the property to satisfy their debt. Well, a lien does the same thing for a contractor. It basically says you have an interest in the property to the extent you've supplied labor and materials and haven't been paid. And actually the ultimate remedy is, is forcing the sale of the property to satisfy the lien. It rarely happens but that is the remedy. And so you're, you become a secured creditor. So it kind of helps get, a, get away from those you know, treacherous terms because yes, I signed that contract, but I can still have a lien right. And most states, like 90% of them say you can't pre-waive your lien rights. So if your subcontract says I'm waiving my lien rights forever, it's not enforceable. You still have a right to file lien. You can't pre, because that was the thing that was happening. You put waiver, you know, lien waivers in the subcontracts and then the lien rights are gone. So that can't happen because people don't realize what it is at that time. And so even if you're not getting paid on the terms of the contract, you can have that contract action, but now you can actually sue the owner to enforce the lien. So 
It makes it strengthens your claim and the possibility of getting paid. The unfortunate thing is, is that what is required to have a valid lien is different in all 50 states. <laughs> and the notices that have to be sent and the timeline that the lien has to be filed is, is different. Uh, and so that's what I, I've really spent the last six months diving into what it looks like in each state so that you can just go to one place and find out what the basic minimum rules are to file in each state. Great. Wow, that's really helpful. So what are some of the ways that subcon subcontractors can avoid liens? Um, well, subcontractors would want to stay away from like people that would file liens on them would be like their material suppliers. Like if they don't pay their material suppliers, then their material supplier is going to file a lien on their project and they're going to look bad. So, and that's another relationship that's kind of, although you're a subcontractor and you have a pay when paid clause in your contract, you don't have that same pay when paid clause with your employees or your material suppliers. So those are still obligations that you have to pay regardless if you've been paid or not. And so, but the one thing that, that can help you is if you haven't been paid and you don't want to be the bad guy, you can get your material supplier to send notice and say, hey, I haven't been paid over here. And most times that will get the subcontractor paid and the material supplier paid. So liens are an effective tool when used properly. Um, they can, if you do them incorrectly, they, they not only will you lose the amount that you're owed, you could end up paying the other side's attorney's fees. So they are an extreme remedy uh, with notice requirements and everything in different states. But um, knowing what they are are really priceless and helping you grow your business because you can you can expand the amount of business you do and the amount of risk you take when you can take that debt from being unsecured to secured. Uh, and so it's just make it's more of making an informed decision of how to do that. So if I'm a subcontractor and someone files a lien against me, what should I do? Well, they would file it against the property and so you'd want to negotiate a deal and ha have um, have them release it, you know, because it's going to make it's basically somebody below you is filing a lien, and so your customer is going to be mad at you. So, like the general contractor is going to be mad at you. So, you want to jump in and say, "Hey, general contractor, if you'll pay me, I can pay them. And we'll get the lien release." Mm -hmm. Nobody likes a lien on their property, and so just working through it and making sure that if we get people paid, they'll file lien releases. And that's the thing is that. If it's filed, it can always be released. It's not a forever thing. It's, you know, it's just paperwork to get things done, but it is an effective tool. If you're a little guy and maybe you don't have an attorney on hand, um, that's probably a good time to get an attorney involved. Yeah, and that's the thing that is that it's so specific on how to do it right. If you meet with an attorney once that's, that's knowledgeable in that area and set up, let you know what the process is, there's so many steps you can do on your own before having to hire an attorney. You just need to know when to do them and how, you know, and you can learn that it's not, you know, like sending notices to the owner. You can research who that is and send them the notice. You don't need an attorney to do that, but learning what the process is in every state, I highly recommend finding an attorney for that. Yeah. So you've talked a lot in your book about, um, subcontractors not accepting necessarily the first contract that comes their way. Sometimes those are, have a lot of language built into them that, um, you know, does not benefit the subcontractor. And one thing that, as I was just listening to you talk, one of the things I was thinking about is, you know, a lot of these relationships in the industry are built on handshakes and 
long-term relationships. And I would think that it might be a little bit nerve wracking to walk into the office of the GC you want to work with and say, Hey, I, you know, I don't want this contract anymore. I want to tear it up and put in my own terms and all these things I would think that that would be a tough thing to do or, or say, Hey, I'm going to have my attorney look at this first. And do you encounter that at all? Or is that all the time? And there's always a fear that you won't get the job. Yeah. Uh, because I'm going to push back too hard. And so what I tell my guys, if you've worked the same person years and years, you have a relationship, I probably wouldn't mess with it because that's your course of dealing. But if you're signing up with somebody new, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through and I'm going to tell you where all the dangers are and what they mean. And then you can decide which ones you want to negotiate and which ones you don't. And I really try to do it in a way where I'll give you the tools and then you can go say, here, here's what I want to change and here's why. And you really can keep, because it does look aggressive if you have an attorney, like being on your negotiation, no doubt. And they're like, oh, you already got an attorney involved, but I can, we can make it. So you, here's the, here's the point, you know, at this paragraph in the contract, here's what it means. And here's, you know, absolutely this has to be changed or, you know, here's something that I would like changed, but here's the risk that you're taking if it's not. And so it's all a give and take that you know, like obviously in a perfect world, I'd, I'd write every contract so everybody was for the, so, so it was fair and everybody was protected. But I realized that we're so far away from that to ask for it now would put you on the outs. And so there's, there's going to be some place in the middle. There's got to be like, if a GC says, no, I'm not negotiating anything. You want to run from that one <laughs> just because there, there's got to be some give and take. I always, I'm not going to get everything, but let's have a discussion about this. <laughs> and my favorite is, Oh, this is a standard AIA contract. 99% of the time, it's not. And even the standard AIA contract isn't that good for subcontractors, but it's a little bit better. But that normally it's not. And, and I don't even know what that means. And so when you, when you go through and say, hey, but this is what this means, and I don't, I don't, I don't want to agree to that, they're usually a little more like, oh, well, maybe we're something we can work around. And then once you get it set up, you can just do that the same the next time and the next time. So it really only takes one time of a negotiation with a contractor to set up that relationship for success. And because the main thing is that if you don't understand what you're assigning to, there are things in there that you're agreeing to do that if you don't do, you'll be in default. And that's just non-payment. If you're in default, you can get terminated and you didn't even realize that you agreed to do daily reports or you didn't, you know, all of those things. So just knowing what's in there is essential. Absolutely. Yeah, those are good points. Well, what else do you want subcontractors to know about liens and contracts? Is that there's, there's so many things out there. Like these are the little, these are the parts that'll help them run better businesses. If they can get into the habit of, okay, I did a bid. It's out there. It got accepted. Here comes a subcontract. What's my process for doing this? What's my time frame? You know, if it's, you know, the same guy I've worked with before, I'll probably just sign it. If it's a brand new contractor, who can I have review it before I sign it? you know, what's the turnaround time on that? And then just knowing that there are rights out there to protect people for lien rights, to protect people that when you get paid, because at the end of the day, we all deserve to get paid for the work that we're in. We're all in, in business to support our families and all of that. And so it's essential to run a successful business that you get paid. And so knowing what those lien rights are for your state. And here's the thing I can tell you, although the notice requirements are different in all 50 states, some require pre-lien notices, some don't is that there's no penalty for sending notice early and often. 
So, if, and when I say sending notice, I mean, like to the owner or people, if you're not hired by the owner, the people up the food chain that control the funds and saying, hey, there, there's a problem down here. The money is not making it down here. The sooner you do that, the more likely you are to solve the problem before anything else happens. And there's no penalties for sending it early. And there's no penalties for sending extra notice. It's only when you don't send enough and you don't send it timely that you won't have a lien and then you can get in trouble. But, um, you know, it's, it's, you got to, everything in business is, you know, risk reward calculation. I'm trying to give you the information that you need to, to do what's right for your business. Yeah. Well, that's excellent. Fantastic advice. Um, that's it for today. Thank you to Carolyn Cromings for taking the time to talk with us. Tune in again for another episode of the Digging Deeper podcast by 4constructionpros.com. Be sure to subscribe and share. Until next time.